Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Up we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space is sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her constant companion, Philip Gilfus. Constant companion. So, this week we are talking about... Oh, before we get to what we're talking about this week, we have important things to talk I about. I know. It's not often we get to talk about breaking Doctor Who news, Uh since things have sort of been quiet since the Christmas special, but things are starting to move a little bit, and we uh, glad we sort of delayed our recording this week because there was a, this was today of a, a lot of news came out. Yes, first of all, they've re- released what a teaser. Yeah, I don't know what to call. It. I guess teaser. I mean, what else would you call it? Certainly not a trailer. So teaser, no. I guess, is the only other word you would use. But yeah, they released a teaser. It's basically about thirteen seconds. Basically, of the TARDIS. Actually, I couldn't tell it was the TARDIS at first, but of the TARDIS zooming through space to reveal a new logo. Yes. I shared with you the video and then the logo, and then they sort of played with it a little bit. They sort of had the logo, then they had this sort of tableau of the 13th Doctor in profile looking at the TARDIS in the far background and the new logo. So, so what did you think of all that? I, I thought that the teaser itself, boy, that was a little bit much. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've changed the logo, they've changed the music, they've changed the color, and I really like the color, and I'm sad about that. And I'm also sad to lose sort of the steampunky feel that it's had for a while. Yeah, I thought it was interesting in a few ways. I mean, first, I guess up front, I do like it all. No, no complaints at all. But it does seem very... Almost as if they're taking a little bit of the sci-fi stuff out. That it's just sort of very like it's a dramatic, you know, logo. Like it could be anything. Yes. I mean, I couldn't not anything, but I mean, it, it definitely sees something like fantastical. But it's not the sort of blue. Tiny, but mm-hmm. and first of all, I think that that's probably right up Chris Chibnall's alley in terms of the dramatic side of it. I suspect that that's something that he's going to focus on a little bit more anyway. I do wonder, particularly looking at this picture of the 13th Doctor in shadow, looking at the TARDIS, which is far away, I wonder if that's a clue. Because of course, at the end of the Christmas episode, when she becomes she, she falls out of the TARDIS. Right. And so I wonder if there's going to be this theme of her trying to make her way back to the TARDIS or something like that. And I did notice, and of course this is probably reading too much into it, but in a lot of the press materials that came out of the BBC today, they keep using the phrase New Dawn. And which could, could just be a buzz phrase, you know, we just mm. you know, that Doctor Who is new and it's fresh. And, you know, in case there's folks who haven't been with the franchise or have stepped away from it or, you know, whatever. It's just, oh, you know, you always want to bring in new audience. You always want to bring in new audience. But, you know, with the picture, it is sort of dawn, which may just be a purposeful... And again, the teaser is sort of more reds and oranges and yellows. Less blues and purples. Yeah, so all of that seems to be pointing. Of course, we have been hearing rumors about the filming that has already been taking place. Yes, I thought it was sort of... um, I don't think anyone was really reacting this way, but there was sort of a minor... uh, 
shock that they weren't filming in Cardiff, um, that they were uh, filming in Sheffield. Um, yeah, that sounds right. For just for just a brief time. Yeah, they um, do end up going back to Cardiff. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, because I think they were then later filming in front of Cardiff University. So you know, yeah, everyone's like, "No, you know what's happening? Yeah. So many changes." But I think the TARDIS was there. Right. So my suggestion that part of this is going to be spending time looking for the TARDIS may be completely off. I'm just making wild guesses and we will have to continue to make wild guesses because the other rumor of course is that they're not actually going to start airing episodes until october yes yeah now i haven't actually seen an official bbc source but i feel like it's enough around that i'm gonna go with it that yes october seems to be the the, not there's no official date but just says october 2018. So. so while we were hoping that it would start in August and be a lovely birthday present for me. <laughs> it's a birthday present for me. It's a birthday present for you. Or, and I don't think that's fair. I, I think it is. But it does mean that I don't have to buy you anything. So that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I, I wonder how long it will be till we get a little bit of a trailer. Because obviously they're, they're doing filming. I'm sure it's not the first episode. Though maybe it is. For What do I know? And you so, know nothing. Exactly. None That's of us a know different anything. show. Never yes. mind. So yeah, but it's very exciting. I don't know. Because you know, I, I sort of maybe felt this to myself. That like maybe everything was just in shutdown mode. Mm. For like, you know, four months. Which of course maybe was silly to think. But this. Like, I imagine there's a lot of technical stuff. So I imagine they need to get the the live filming out of the way and into the can pretty quickly. So then they can add all of the special effects and the, you know, special effects and the special effects. (laughs) Well, and and there's been, and I don't, I'm not saying I keep abreast of all Doctor Who news, but the sort of the quote unquote big news was that Murray Gold, longtime composer of Doctor Who has left. Um, And, you know, and and there's a lot of people behind the scenes, people who are sort of, have transitioned out now. Mm. And so I think it's, it, it, there definitely does seem to feel this, like it's going to be not a reset button. Cause of course it's still Dr. Who and, and Chris Chibnall has been involved in Dr. Who, you know, for, for, this isn't his first go around with the franchise, but I, I think there is sort of a, a refreshing, which I, you know, I think is fine. I, you know, I, I, again, hate to go back to my own franchise, but like Star Trek, which I love and I love many of its iterations, but the same people did stay around for a long time behind the scenes, which is good because I love them. But you know, it would have been nice if maybe you got a refresh with the Enterprise or something. And of course, now in Discovery, it's a whole bunch of new people, so you, you get that you know, new taste. But but yeah. it is Doctor Who is such a big franchise. You know, you don't want to you don't want to stay too long at the dance. No, absolutely. And I have to because I'm a traditionalist at heart. I am the person who, and you know, as soon as Chris Christopher Eccleston gets ready to leave i'm like no no i will never love another doctor and then i'm like i love david Tennant. and then when he gets ready to leave i'm like no i can't love anyone uh and i've been very excited about jody whittaker but there's a part of me that's going why are all these people leaving me but i i agree with your suggestion that it's not a bad thing. It's just something that I personally struggle with and probably should spend a little bit of time in therapy about. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm working through it. But I do like, with, I mean, Doctor Who does force you to change. It's always a new companion or a new villain or a new doctor. And so it's built in 
to this franchise that there's change built in. You know, there's no choice. Yes, without being too, again, you still have, like we talked about last week, you still have the callbacks, the canon that reappears every now and then, which you know, I think settles my nerves a little bit. I thought it was pretty neat to see people post on Twitter the different photos they'd taken with Jody, and um, I don't know if they got any of the other actors or companions, but they were certainly one or two, I think, that I saw. Cause I don't, obviously, it's w- w- what's allowed, but I thought it was it was definitely cool to see uh, people get and actually meet their, their fans and everything. Yeah, and and it's it must be from Jodie Whittaker's perspective an a mind boggling. I mean, she has appeared on on screen as Doctor Who for seventeen <laughs> seconds. You know, something ridiculously brief, and already she has this built in fan base. And I imagine being the first woman, she's got a lot of pressure too. Really? That's got, you think so? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's got to be... It, it is a heavy task she has taken on. And I think she's absolutely great for it. But uh, Heavy is the hand that holds the sonic screwdriver. Yes. How very Shakespearean of you, darling. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a big convention uh, this past week, uh, Gallifrey One. I've never been to it personally, but that's over in L.A. every year. And um, we're currently working behind the scenes to maybe have a report from someone who was at Galley One, I suppose, as the kids call it. So we're, we're looking forward to that. Is a hashtag. And so a terrible hashtag. So, you know, hopefully we'll have that for you listeners um, maybe next week or sometime soon. But again, before we move on, one of my favorite pictures from that that you showed me was this little tiny girl in the 13th Doctor costume. And I just think that's so exciting and so wonderful. And Yay! Yeah, you girls can play Doctor. Not that they, they didn't before, but they can play the Doctor now. Hopefully that will bring in a, a new audience. All right, so let's talk about what we intended to talk about. We've gone completely off-pissed. And what are we talking about today, my darling? Since this is our 11th episode, I think it's only fitting that we talk about the 11th Doctor. Now, we're not going to talk about Matt Smith, though I'm sure his character will come up. We actually want to talk about his companions. Now, we already covered the 10th Doctor's companions in episode 7. But as I said, this is our 11th episode, so let's talk the 11th Doctor companions. Did you plan that, or is that just, hey, look what happened? It's all part of a plan. Yeah. (laughs) Do not believe him. He's telling big lies. So now you were, of course, in, I don't say the midst. I mean, I don't know if you're past the midst. Uh, You know, you're two-thirds, I guess, of the way in your 11th Doctor rewatch. Oh, yeah. I'm more than two-thirds of the way through, because I am in the last season. Right. And, in fact, I've just, and I'm halfway through the last season, because I just watched the uh, mid-season Christmas special. Fair. So he doesn't officially have Clara as a companion yet. Just the, the mini iterations, which we will get into. But the, but first, I believe in chronological order, so let's start at the beginning with the very young Ginger. Amelia Pond. Like in a fairy tale. <laughs> yes. So of course this was, I think, always a unique thing. I mean, not to the 11th Doctor, but you don't often get a fresh start. We, know we were talking about fresh starts for the 13th Doctor, but the 11th Doctor, this was a fresh start. And it's the same thing that we're doing now. You know, new showrunner, new everything, or new most things, I suppose. But, you know, so this is a companion that's not a handover. 
this is just the doctor starting new with a new companion and, and everything new. And so we meet this little girl and then we meet her all grown up. And then, of course, is Amy Pond played by Karen Gillan. And uh, there's a lot of special things about Amy that I think sets her apart from maybe other companions we've seen. Okay. Well, she's Scottish. Yes. Not that that is the only one, possibly. Well, um, well, Jamie was Scott. That's true. Scottish. That's right. But she's just not wearing a kilt to constantly remind you in case you that's forgot. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the red hair and the accent, though, tip me off every time. <laughs> and, and I think I was thinking about this today. So, obviously, you know, Karen, uh, not bad on the eyes. I, I think she is a... I mean, I think she's more than this. But I think she is part of one of the many things that she is. She's sort of brought a little sexy part to the companion, you know. I wasn't used to seeing that that much uh, skin on a companion since uh, the fourth Doctor's Leela, who was basically just wearing a rag and a stone knife. Um, you know, so Amy's basically like all legs, which I think the Doctor once introduced her as legs. Well, and I was just going to say, I think part of that's because she's taller. Right. Um, so I think that, um, in particular, uh, Rose probably didn't dress too far off the way that Amy does. But because Amy's so tall, yeah, I just Amy's a little bit more mini skirts and short shorts than I ever pictured. Rose was more baggy jeans. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but like it, I think it was sort of a uh, you know because Matt was young, mm. Karen's young, and so it was all very young. But I don't know what what else did you think about Amy? Not only in her introduction, but throughout the series. I really love the introduction. Fish fingers and custard. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. the obvious choice, which I've never had, by the way, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, sounds vile. Kissagram. The kissagram. Yes, I like Amy. I think I like because there's always, you have to consider because it happens, and we've seen it time and time again, particularly with the contemporary companions, that there is occasionally this romance. I would, you know, I was thinking about this today with Amy. I don't know if it's necessarily like a Martha. I think Amy's just young, and as the kids say, up for a laugh. So I don't know if yes. she, that she falls for the doctor per se, but she's just no, even though she's engaged. Well, but, but I think that that's part of it is that there's always a little bit of sexual tension or romantic tension. Right. Uh, sexual seems wrong. Well, she doesn't make out with it. But her. a little bit of romantic tension between the two of them. But then she, there are at least two moments, and maybe more than that, where she's telling some bad guy or telling somebody, you know, he's going to come for me. He's going to save me. There is one man who will search heaven and earth, and he will save me, and he's my husband. <laughs> you know, and so she always brings it back to Rory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, their ending, their their last episode with the Doctor is about them being together. Amy strikes me, and I don't know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, to me, she's the first companion that we see grow in life. Like, in other words, I think character-wise, we see other companions grow. You know, Rose becomes a little bit more mature. You know, Martha experiences these adventures. We talked about Donna before. You know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, that really pressed the reset button. But she got it more confident and all this stuff. But I think with Amy, we literally see her. We see her literally growing up from little girl to, to a woman. Mm-hmm. But then we see her engaged. We literally see her getting married. We That's get to see true. her we pregnant see- and having a child. We get to see her different careers. We ultimately, yeah, see more of her real life 
mm-hmm. than we have with any of the others. Even though we do get Rose's mom and we get Donna's granddad and we do see some of that home life, we see much more of Amy and Rory's home life. And, you know, whether or not that has anything to do with River Song, you know, that you there's a certain amount that you have to do in order to bring in that whole story and make it work. Because I thought it was an interesting storytelling because you sort of have your typical doctor and the young companion swinging about having adventures. But then when you did bring in Rory, um, and we can talk about him for a second, but when you brought in Rory and you sort of had the doctor basically like, hey, matchmaking or, you know, reminding, hey, you, you know, this is the guy you're engaged to who you left on your wedding night for me. You know, and then when they got married, then you had this married couple. Mm. You know, and it's not that same dynamic where you've kind of had, even with even with Donna, there's no, not that there was sexual tension, but you always had sort of the, a little bit of whatever going on. But when you have a married couple and mm. the doctor, you know, who's the third wheel? And of course, they played it that often. Was Roy the third wheel? Was the doctor the th- But I think, as you said, it does bring back that Amy is with her husband, Roy. And then when you sort of had them kind of on again, off again in real life, or in, I mean, in their real life, oh. <laughs> of, of, you know, not always traveling, you know, making the decision, maybe it's time to stay home or should we go? And they sort of just did the part-time companion bit, you know? And then when she got pregnant with Melody and then obviously all those hijinks happen, but then that sort of just brings that real life. And then as you said, with with Angels Take Manhattan, their last episode, I mean, they're sort of like a, you know, young settled couple. I don't know what the right word is, you know, and they're just, you know, have these seldom adventures. Of course, the power of three, I think, brings that home as well. Yes. Yeah, of course, when the doctor comes to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and I did like them bringing in um, Rory's dad, Brian, because I thought he was sort of played an interesting role. It is one of my favorite moments. I wish I could find that YouTube clip of, of when it's, it's, I think, maybe two-thirds of the way through the episode when they come home and they're in the middle of a party and they've left and they've come back and Brian's like, they've changed clothes. I know they've been gone. And he stops the doctor and says, "What what's happened to all the other people you've traveled with? Mm. And the doctor has to say, some left. There's some, not many, but some who died. And, you know, Brian basically has to, you know, promises that nothing will ever happen to them. And, you know. Yeah, that doesn't work out so no. well, but whatevs. Whatevs. So uh, let's give Rory a couple seconds. What do you think of Rory? Yeah. Rory Williams. Yeah. Rory, or Rory Pond, possibly. Possibly Rory Pond. Yeah. He's a little bit like Ricky Mickey. Yes. Um, in terms of... Well, he starts of off that way. The befuddled... I mean, I think even towards the end, he has those befuddled moments. I think that he grows more. Mm-hmm. You know, the centurion. When he waits, yeah, for 2,000 years for Amy. Those sorts of things. And I can't even bother to wait 10 minutes sometimes for you. Oh, I know. I know. And I, I just don't. I leave your ass. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Yeah, I like Rory... He's a little bit puppy dog. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's just the loyal guy who's just going to stand there mm-hmm. and wait if he has to. And I think that that's lovely. And, I mean, interesting things, you know, to play into stereotypes. You know, he's a nurse, right, which leads to some ribbing. You know, oh, that's that's a girl job. But I think even though he plays this not submissive role, but you know what I'm trying to say, non-dominant role compared to the swishbuckling doctor but the swishbuckling doctor? Yes. You're going to have to edit that There was that a out. Pirates yeah. episode, you remember that? Yeah, but we're still going to call it a swashbuckler, <laughs> darling. <laughs> but I think with Roy, he still has these skills. 
And there's stuff. I, mean, I forget one episode where he's like, you know, maybe he was with his dad on a, you know, dinosaurs on a spaceship or something. Where he's like, remember, I'm a nurse. Remember, you know, and and that he does have like these moments of like he's not an idiot. I mean, he's just you know he isn't pure comic relief. No, he's capable. I mean, yeah, he has these dim moments which make him fun and you know sort of adorable, I guess. But but he's he's at the core, you know, he has a, he's he's. He ha- he has a real strength, mm-hmm. absolutely, and a real determination, and and just a real love for for Amy, which I think is is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they lived uh, together as man and wife in nineteen what was it thirties forties New York. Yeah, it was it was yeah so the- a while back, but yeah. Interestingly enough, speaking of Chris Chibnall, the part of the priest in Broadchurch was specifically designed for Arthur Darville. Mm-hmm. And I find that interesting because he, as much as I love him as Rory, and it's the only other thing I think I've seen him in, he doesn't necessarily strike me as the kind of actor you go, oh my gosh, I've got to create a role for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just be interested in knowing how that happened, how that, yeah, how that came about. Is it just they're good friends, and a, you know, <laughs> if I'm working, you're working kind of thing, or yeah, but, I'm just curious about that. And then he's, and I, I don't watch it, so I can't, I'm not an expert, but I know he's in Legends of Tomorrow on the CW. Oh, yes, of course. So he's yeah. sort of making it in America, you know, which is not always easy. Not always easy. Or the at transition all. Yeah. For, from you know British TV and theater, but anyway. So yeah, Amy is the only companion action figure I currently own. So. Oh, we're going to have to get a Clorox. Oh, and we're definitely going to need a bill. <laughs> definitely going to need a bill. Well, you said her name, so I let's move indeed. on to yes. Clorox. Well, I do want to say for a second, we did mention no, stop we did mention Melody Pond, so River Song. I do, do feel like, and I know you do too, she deserves her own episode. Absolutely. So we are not going to go into her. We're not her. talking about her now. Yeah. I, I did have a poll, which I guess I'll talk about this now. I did throw up a poll, as I always do, on the Nerd Party uh, Twitter, which is at Join Nerd Party. And I asked who the favorite companions of the 11th Doctor were. Wow. And one response I did get, because um, I, I did, the, the options I gave were Amy, Clara, River, and then I always give a fourth option for write in. And someone did reply, like, River's not a companion. She's above that. So Yes, and I would agree with that. <laughs> so I would agree with that. But boy, Amy won by a landslide. So what were the results, darling? 75% of the people who took the poll thought Amy was the best companion. Mm-hmm. 8% thought Clara. And 17% thought River Song. Although, again, I agree with the person who uh, commented and said... <laughs> River's not a companion. Mm-hmm. She's a wife. That's different. <laughs> Apparently more than uh, Clara, though. So in Yes, a- but more of a companion than Clara, which yeah. I found really interesting because I really like Clara with the 11th Doctor. Right, and I know this is a point of contention with, with I was going to say, with you, with us, that Clara as the 11th Doctor companion versus Clara as the 12th Doctor mm-hmm. companion, which we're not talking about, we're talking about the 11th right. Doctor, but- that there is a difference. We yeah. think so, anyway. Maybe you disagree with us, folks. But anyway, so played by Jenna Coleman, though I, she was Jenna Louise Coleman. I remember in the beginning. I don't know why the the, the middle name got dropped. But anyway, or the hyphenated first Maybe name. Maybe the actual Jenna, the original Jenna Coleman, because you know it's a SAG thing. I don't know if it's the same in England, yeah. but you know you have to sure. have different names and all of that. Speaking of different names, she played many things. I guess we're gonna go with 
Clara Oswin Oswald, but yeah. there were Oswin, there was Clara's, there was whatever, whatever, whatever. So I, I don't know. Are we talking about which Clara the, are we talking about? The impossible girl. Right. Now, of course, Amy was the girl who waited. Yes. I don't know if I'm a fan of women being mysteries you have to solve that Moffat has written, but yes. whatever, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, but Clara. So we first met her, I guess it sort of was a Donna experience for me, you know, that we first met her in, I believe it's Asylum of the Daleks. I may have that episode title wrong. That sounds right. Yeah. But anyway. The first and, episode of right. the last Matt Smith season. And I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think it, we knew going in that she was going to be the new companion. I feel like we did. Like it was announced like, oh, she's going to be the new Even though I think Amy and Roy had half that series. Yes. Um, but yeah, anyway. Up until the Christmas episode. But of course you watched that first episode like, oh, she's the new. Oh, she's dead? But you said she What? And so you had that. Like, what? 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 And then halfway through the series. At Christmas time. With the snowman, which you recently saw, right? Yes, yeah, that's the one I watched today. And I really like that one, and I love Clara in it. Uh, but she's this sort of Victorian bar girl slash nanny, and she's just spunky and delightful, and the doctor who was in mourning after losing Amy and Rory, and is like, no, I'm never helping anybody again. I'm not opening my heart up. And then, of course, Clara... Uh, being delightful and spunky, and he's like, yes, you're the person, you're the next person I want to travel with. Here's my key. Come travel with me. And, and she dies. Um, again. But before she dies, she says to him exactly the same thing that Oswin said before she died. Run, you clever boy, and remember. remember. Yes. So, so then she... we. Go to the Bells of St. John when we meet, I don't know, Prime Clara? Is that what we want to call her? <laughs> um, but, you know, we get a little, some, uh, there were some extras uh, episodes that weren't on the TV show. So, you know, kind of teasing this mystery girl who keeps popping up in the Doctor's life. And there's one bit that I haven't gotten to yet where there's a little girl on a swing Yes, that's something. one of the extras, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, you know, we won't go through her life history, but we sort of have, you know, the her parents meeting with the leaf and all this, you know, interesting stuff. But with Clara, Clara, she keeps playing these roles of the, the nanny, the, cause she's watching young children at that time. And she eventually would become a teacher in her run. Yes, of course. And so she sort of plays that role. And I don't know what, I guess we can talk about her herself or compare her with Amy, but how do you think Clara is as the very shorter companion for the doctor? Yes, she is just a little tiny thing. I just think she's so cute and adorable. Mm -hmm. And and they played well together. That, you know, the little flirtation that still never never goes to a romance. Because I think Clara's a little bit more well, I was say she's more flirty. That's not right. She's differently flirty. Because I think Amy is flirty. But of course, not really. Once she gets married, um, you know, she settles down after that. But, but I think Clara, <laughs> like all women, should exactly. Um, but I think with Clara, you know, she always takes it like a, one comment further, and the doctor's yes. like starts to blush and be like, "What?" You know, and and then she just likes embarrassing him, basically. Yes, and I think the chemistry between the two of them was quite good, mm-hmm. and yeah, and she and Peter Capaldi just didn't have it in the same way which is you know those are the things that happen so but like i said with clara we we get her uh having adventures with doctor as well we get to see her a little bit of growth as well almost similar to amy in that she starts to go part-time doctor yes because she's a school teacher right and uh she ends up meeting a guy uh as well 
but I think that's a little bit more twelve doctory. Yes. So, but anyway, so but uh, so no spoilers. But anyway, but we get we get to see her uh, become a, a teacher there because that's you know with the Chris or with the excuse me with the fiftieth. You know, she's there teaching and gets a call. I think, actually think that was the first time we saw her as a teacher, as the 50th. Oh, feel free okay. to correct me, but I feel like, because you sort of had Cole Hill Elementary, which is the callback to um, Susan Foreman being a student at Cole Hill in the first episode. And, of course, the Ian and Barbara, the first companions mm-hmm. being teachers as well. So yes. you sort of had that callback to, yeah. to her. Which, again, is always, always fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with the last episode of, or Time of the Doctor, 11th last episode, we sort of have the, you know, come and pretend to be my boyfriend, which might be the metaphor for their whole <laughs> yeah. Yeah. time together. And so, you know, yeah. So, yeah, there's Clara. Mm-hmm. The impossible girl. The impossible girl. Now, I know you want to talk. We, we don't have to, we know we will always talk about them, but at least just to mention them. I know we can't go without mentioning your favorite oh, I trio. Love them. I the, love now, them. you have to say that word for me. What is it? Paternoster the, Gang. The Paternoster Gang, as named after the street, I suppose, where their detective agency is. So that's, of course, Madame Vastra, Jenny Flint, and Strax. So of the course potato. we like right. We meet. Is this, don't we meet them for the first? I mean, again, you could argue that we've met them before, depending on who you think they were as characters. But anyway, because some of the actors play similar aliens. But anyway, it's the first time we meet them is the snowman, isn't it? It is not. Or when is it? The first time we meet them is when we realize who River Song is. Oh, oh, because Vastra shows up. They all show up. Oh. And Vastra and Jenny are oh, together. A good and man go goes to get, war. Yes, and they go get. Strax. Strax is being punished. He's a nurse in the yes, Civil that's right. War or some sort of war. Oh, so a good man goes to war and is the first time we meet yes. them. Yeah. Okay. But yes, I guess so Christmas... This is the second time we see them properly. That's the first time they're together there. The three of yes. them. Yes. Yeah. We assume they go off together after the whole River Song thing is sort of sorted. Yes, and that's it's all it's very strange. Complicated. And, yeah. As the church came in. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yes, and I just love them. Uh, Strax is absolutely delightful. The part where they're trying, he's trying to erase Clara's memory with the little memory worm oh, yeah. thing. Yes. And, uh, and the doctor's like, the worm's under the coach. Get it for me. And <laughs> what gloves, sir? Yeah, Strax touches Oh, the- <laughs> what's this boy doing here? <laughs> I appear to have been run over by a coach. It's just... I just think he's so funny. And he's really, I enjoy seeing him with Matt Smith Mm because Matt's got such this lovely floppiness to him anyway. And he's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm the clever one and you're the potato. (laughs) Just, it's lots of fun. Now, what do you think ultimately of, I mean, not to go back, but of the Clara explanation, which, which, you know, she falls into the time stream and meets all the doctors and that's why we've been meeting her the whole time. Yeah, it's weird. Did that sort of, because it's not really followed. Yeah, to me that was the most oddest thing that like we like it's Doctor Who. This happens, but to me this is like on the top five list of like unresolved Doctor Who stories because you have the name of the Doctor. If I'm getting that right, where she falls into the time stream, and I do love that episode because you get the beginning where they're sort of foreshadowing that she's fallen in, and you see her meeting the first Doctor and recommending that he choose the other TARDIS. I was like, oh, that's so cool, and you can still see. At the end, or beginning and end, possibly, of the bookends of that episode, all the different doctors encountering with her. and it's, it, I always love classic scenes to be thrown in there. But then, it's, you know, you have the very, very end where she's in the doctor's time stream, which is a rocky outcrop or something, and whatever. And the doctor appears because he jumps into his 
own time stream. Okay, whatever. I, I'm still I'm still there. And then that's when they he reveals the War Doctor. But then he's like, "Don't worry, I'll get you out of here." And you're like, "Okay, how did they get out of there?" The next episode's the fiftieth anniversary, where they're just like, "Doop do <laughs> Solve that am. one. I'm a teacher. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, what? And I think there are times, and that's one of the times. And I think the origin of River Song is another one of them that they just sort of skim over this really complicated idea. Uh, you know, they spent too much time with the silence and the stupid crack in the wall mm-hmm. and not enough time talking about the fact that Amy's baby was kidnapped. Right. And then all of a sudden they have a best friend named Melody and that's why she named her baby Melody, except it's not. It's Melody It's and she's there to kill him. And we don't get any of that, or we haven't yet. Of course, being River Song we may yet get some of that um, at some point. But I feel like that whole, oh, yeah, hi, Mommy and Daddy, it's me, Grin, and that's all we've got, really. And, and I think, not to keep going back and forth, but just as an unresolved storyline, no, I, with Amy, and I think they try to throw in some lines of like, oh, no, well, we know that she comes goes up to be River, it's all right. I'm like, but you're still cool with your baby being kidnapped and not looking for it and being like, oh, oh well, we know she turns out to be a river. Who cares? She comes by and visits and she's a little older than we are, but it's cool. She still calls us mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's. Yeah. And so, if, and, and again, with River, there's an opportunity still to build on that. But um, I do think that there are times that they take this in big, messy, complicated thing and say, fixed now. Mm-hmm. And. We don't get the depth that I would like to. So I guess an, an honorary mentioned. Well, I guess we have two. We don't have to talk about them. Uh, there was Craig Owens, played by... James Corden. Who appeared twice. Yes. The Lodger and uh, another episode that I can't remember, but... The one where he has the baby. Yeah, so, yeah, baby. Um, the... Stormageddon, I believe, is the baby's name. Yeah, well, initially. <laughs> initially. He changes his mind later on. Um, so that, but that was those those were both very funny episodes. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought Corden played it very well because he's very... Because uh, uh, he's obviously... He's, I mean, he's acting, right? And we know he's you know he can, but you know he's very understated, I think. And I mean, there's a lot of physical comedy, which he can do, but yes. he was sort of... Of course, this is also before James Corden... Came to America. Big, well, <laughs> and even before that, mm-hmm. because um, the reason he ended up in America was that he was doing One Man, Two Governors in, on the West End, and that came over to Broadway, and that's, you know, that was the... the progression for him and it was before all of that he had done history boys people were familiar with him he'd done gavin and stacy i guess i think is what it's called that he did but wasn't mahusive in the way that he is now so there was madge and the other christmas special it was it's like the lion witch in the order but it's not what it's called oh yes the doctor and the the, whatever it's called yeah the trees yes and the world war ii yeah Yeah, and she was she was definitely a, a cool companion oh yeah she mother out for her children yeah yeah that's a sweet little episode i Mm -hmm. like that one and he (laughs) shows up with the helmet on backwards yes and i think the only other kind of random one was dinosaurs on a spaceship that was the name of the episode where he has like nefertiti and he has like the big game hunter he has this little gang that he's it was kind of random actually honestly but so anyway but yeah any any final thoughts about how the 11th doctor uh you know, we never had sort of the 10th Doctor by himself, you know, in all of those specials. The 11th Doctor always tend to have someone. 
Because even when he was being a rake at his lowest, I'm like, I said, maybe there were a couple points, but when he was being a recluse in Snowman, he was still with the trio. You know? Yes, they were. Even if he was up in the sky in the TARDIS. for him, yeah. 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 So he's not very much a loner. No, because he needs, I mean, again, Matt Smith is so delightfully floppy, and he needs somebody there. Like, it reminds me of, was it The Impossible Astronaut, the, the premiere of his second series, where it's actually, you know, a future forward, Tommy Whammy, of course, because it's actually the future I love with the Doctor, but he calls all of his people together and you know it's amy and, and it's rory and it's river and himself it turns out and that guy uh, oh yes yeah, the third oh yeah yeah that was an interesting companion because they were played by father and son very famous who so i'm blanking on their names yeah oh i didn't realize that it was actually father and son yeah oh and they're, of course they're very famous and i just can't remember their names off the top of my head but yeah because he had to fly to the older guy that's mm-hmm. his father um who's been in oh so many sci-fi things and of course the younger version, of course, has been supernatural and everything else. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, he's fun. I like him. Mm. But, you know, with the 11th Doctor, his traditional, you know, with every Doctor saying goodbye with the companions, with the 11th Doctor, we had, you know, Clara was there present, but we did have the Amy cameo, which is sort of, I guess, his regeneration hallucination. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so he got to say goodbye. Yeah. Oh, bless their hearts. Right, shall we jump into the TARDIS library? Yes, we're going to talk about the first appearance of another Doctor companion. Now, someone who the 11th Doctor met for the very first time was Kate Stewart, the head of UNIT. And that was the first time we met that character, played by Gemma Redgrave. Yes. So we're going to talk about the first appearance of her father, and that's the Brigadier, which was in The Web of Fear. Dun, dun, dun. That premiered the 3rd of February, 1968. It was a six-episode serial with the second Doctor and his companions. And I will read a quick synopsis from TARDIS.Wikia. The TARDIS narrowly avoids becoming engulfed in a cobwebby substance in space. It arrives in the London Underground Railway System, the tunnels of which are being overrun by the web and by the great intelligence's robot Yeti. The time travelers learn this crisis was precipitated when a Professor Travers, whom they first met in the Himalayas some 40 years earlier, accidentally caused one of the Yeti to be reactivated, opening the way for the intelligence to invade again. The travelers work alongside army forces, led initially by Captain Knight, and then by Colonel Lethbridge Stewart, as they battle the alien menace, hampered by the fact that one of their number has has fallen under the intelligence's influence and is a traitor in their midst. Now, I know you haven't gotten to meet a lot of the Brigadier, and of course he's not the Brigadier just yet when we first meet him, he's Colonel. So what do you think of Colonel Lethbridge Stewart? Don't think that he was particularly sparkly in this first meeting. He was not somebody you go, oh, that's who the doctor's going to spend a lot of time with. But he was perfectly functional. Do we, is he with UNIT at the time? I don't, again, this is where I'd, I'd have to wake you. Sorry, listeners, I'm sure you're smarter than me. I don't know if there is a unit or if, anyway, I don't know, because he, he seems sort of standard army. Mm. and I, I don't know how it evolves from here, so I apologize. We will find out together, yeah. darling. So I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, I'm not bothering to wiki it up. So Yeah, bad. but I like the fact, I mean, how long his, most of his time is with the third Doctor then, correct? Well, yes, um, just because I think it could, just because the third Doctor has the most unit stories being stranded on Earth. Mm. But, you know, he's there. He's in the very first fourth Doctor story. He's He's 
There with all of them. I, I don't. I'm He's sh- in the Three Doctor film. Exactly. And the Five Doctors as the well. Five Doctors. Yeah. Film, and sorry. so I mean, he's probably playing all of them for all I know. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and I believe he's met every Doctor in the classic era. Do not quote me. I might be wrong. But anyway, most of them. Not the past. Not the first. Yeah, past yeah, second. Past well, though, he. Nicholas Courtney, I believe that's the actor's name, did actually appear in a first Doctor story, was not playing that character. So. He certainly probably, I don't know, maybe the actor with the longest time in Doctor Who. I'm not continuous, obviously, but mm-hmm. I, that'd be... Uh, that would be interesting. Yeah, someone feel yeah. free to... to, to who, who is the actor who has the longest time in Doctor Who? All right, now I'm going to say just Nicholas Courtney. Courtney, feel free to contradict me. Interesting. And I like the fact that his family continues. Again, you know, Kate takes over unit. And then, of course, in the most recent Christmas special, we see his father... Yes, yes. I'm trying to remember his father or grandfather. But yeah, I, I would think so, yes. So, uh, I like the idea of this family continuing on. Yeah, I think the thing that struck me about, uh, I'm going to call him the colonel in this episode, um, is that he's so always professional. And, you know, even when he might be scared or when there's no hope, but he's sort of the solid bastion of, you know... He's not even a stiff upper lip. It's not like that. He's just very, yeah, I'm not panicking. You know, we're, this is what we're going to do, Doctor. What keep, should we do? Keep calm and carry on. Exactly. And yeah. so I think that's maybe attraction to him. Because I think what little I've seen of his character, often the Doctor will criticize him for often taking the soldier route, you know. Mm. And, yes. and sometimes yeah. he does, you know, shoot instead of, you know, Sonic. I think that is sort of the interesting thing of the character. Because he's always very open with the Doctor, right? You know, there's a lot of people who are questioning the Doctor in the Web of Fear. And he's like... I don't know. He seems to know what he's talking about. Let's just do what he says. He seems to be in charge here, you know? And so it is very interesting. So yeah, I thought it was cool to watch. Just a little tangential things about the Web of Fear. This is one of the lost episodes that has been recently found. And so we were very lucky to watch five of the six episodes. I think it's episode three that was still restored, which just meant titles and audio. Yeah, that sounds right. But it was, it was, it was actually, I, I enjoyed the quality. It was almost like watching a horror film sometimes. It sort of had the sort of old-time monster well, movie. And, yeah, and being in the underground, and you've got all this darkness and enclosed spaces and things that you can do interesting things. I also, particularly because um, I just watched the Snowman Christmas episode, the idea of the intelligence is really you know, because that comes back in with the Snowman episode. I was like, hey. Yeah, because doesn't, what is it, the 11th Doctor has like a lunch pail with the London Underground map in it or yes. something that he yeah. throws at it or something. Yeah. I don't know. So that was a little silly, but I and got they, it. And, and somebody says something. It might even be uh, Vastra or Jenny, you know, is like, oh, so now he's got, he knows the weak links of the London Underground or something like that. Yeah. Sort of this callback but that was fun i enjoyed that and speaking of this episode now i also thought this was interesting this is a sequel episode or a sequel serial yes that the um this is uh, this is off the top of my head so i might be wrong i think this is the fifth or sixth serial of this series and the second one was the abominable snowman which was professor travers and the yeti and the great intelligence and so i think it's cool that doctor who even back then just you know three or two or three serials later revisits these characters and they sort of quote-unquote, have aged, but you get to meet them again and see what's happened. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yes. And, of course, this all ended up tying in to a little book that we read this month. Yes, because the second Mr. Doctor, 
also known as Mr. Second, Dr. Second, mm. which I got for my February book, is about the Yetis as well. Yeah. So, so you got to read about Jamie and Victorian and, the, and Yeti before meeting them. Before I got to see them, yeah. So that was exciting. Mm-hmm. And their television remote control, which is weird. Yes. <laughs> so, darling, what are we talking about next week? Well, since I've just finished watching the Snowman Christmas episode, it made me think maybe we should pick a, a Christmas episode and talk about that. Sure. And since we're talking the 11th Doctor, we thought we'd stay with him for a moment. And talk about what's my favorite Christmas episode, actually, of all time, but of the 11th Doctors as well. I don't know if it is of yours, and that is A Christmas Carol. Yes. Well, it's one of my favorite stories anyway. And uh, I think it's one of the first episodes that you showed me after the 50th anniversary. So, yeah, it holds a very special place in my heart. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the Christmas Carol Christmas episode. And if people want to talk to you about any of your other thoughts about Amy, Clara, River, and all of the other 11th Doctor companions, where can they reach you? They can find me at One Phoenix Theater. And if folks want to talk to me about my thoughts about Christmas specials, they can find me at NC Public Servant. And they can also listen to me here on the network each and every week talk about Star Trek on City Alpha 3, a Star Trek podcast with my two Star Trek companions, Daniel Prue and Darren Moser. Dude, did you just use our podcast to plug your podcast, the one you do without me? Uh, it's when I also plug our podcast on theirs as well. Okay, fair enough. Yes. Well, until next week, darling, you're my favorite companion in all of time and space. This is BBC Television.